Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. You all are jealous because I get to take my mask off, huh? I know. It's just get called into the ministry and then you can preach on Sundays without a mask on. It's, it's a little selling point right there. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Dad, you're watching this wherever you are, whenever you're watching this. Happy Father's Day. I love you. You're the best ever. Okay. Can we pray over the dads today? Would that be totally cool? Um, I'm a little selfish because I get to pray over myself as well, included six times over. Um, but let's do this. If you're a dad, would you stand so we can honor you and recognize you? If you're a dad, just go ahead and stand online. If you're in your living room, you can stand up right in the middle of your living room or your kitchen or wherever you're at. Father God, we thank you for the dads represented here. Lord, the call upon their lives. Lord, the blessing that you have given them and the responsibility that you have given them. And Lord, we give you the glory for your wisdom evidenced in their lives, for your direction, for your leadership, God, for your strength, for your perseverance, God, for all the ways that your character and your nature is on display through these men of God. May we live for your glory and raise the next generation to do the same, all for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. You may be seated again. Awesome. Thank you for that. Well, as Pia mentioned, our pastors are on vacation, so while the shepherd's away, the sheep will play. We're not. We're not going to play. We're going to have regular church. It's all going to be normal. Don't freak out. Um, I, bought a little, I brought a little bit of a show and tell this morning. This is my first Bible right here. You can't see it anymore. It says New American Standard on the front of it. It's a pretty cool Bible because it's a convertible which is awesome, and it also came with a trailer. So it's, it's kind of like a first car as well. It has grape juice stains from when I spilled my communion right there next to Jesus. Um, I felt really bad when I did that, and I knew when it happened, I'm going to forever have those stains in my Bible, and sure enough, I still have them. Uh, this was presented to me by my parents, by my mom and dad. Um, there's a little, where they fill out the little information in the front when they give you your first Bible sort of thing. I don't know if I got one when I was a kid, like the little tiny, you know, with the, the Lamb's Book sort of Bible. I don't know. I probably lost it at some point, never read it. This one I read a lot, as you can see. It's very, it's very well worn. It says, this holy Bible is presented to Cliff Wayne Roberts, that's my middle name, by Daddy and Mommy. Aww. Let's all say that together. Aww. <laughs> On the occasion of Christmas, 1970, well, now I'm not talk about how old that is. So yeah, this was my Bible. And New American Standard was awesome. It's what I grew up with, which is great. But when you are a small child and you have to read thee and thou and thine and that sort of stuff, it's a little confusing. Um, but I always kind of got the impression that when you read the, the weird words, you have to be, whoa, that's like, there's, there's something to that kind of stuff. I'm thankful for my Bible. I'm thankful for the various translations we have that help me better understand um, the languages the Bible is written in because my Koine Greek is really rusty and I don't speak Aramaic very well and I really stink at Hebrew. So I'm thankful for the Bible translations we have. But sometimes with translations you get something that should be familiar and is kind of not quite as familiar based on whatever translation you might happen to be reading. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, and they say, hey, hey, Matt, teach us how to pray. 
And so, you know, Jesus began, gives them what we kind of refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Well, in different translations, it begins different ways. For instance, Matthew 6, 9 is, is where it's recorded in Scripture, one of the times. The New Living Translation has it this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Okay, that's kind of cool. The Christian Standard Bible says it like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. All right, I get it. The contemporary English version says, Our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. Different, but I, I still get the basic general point there. The Good News translation says, Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. So I'm getting it. Okay, so we got this. It's about God and his holiness and honoring his name kind of thing. That's all great, but I mean, come on. How many of us learned the good old KJV, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we always had to say it that way. And it's like, hallowed, what, is that like how my dog followed me along the path? Or how the road narrowed in front of me? Or how the pig wallowed in the mire? What is it about this word? I don't ever say that to my dad. Hallowed, dad. I, that's not a, a common reference. And so for a kid, and you hear this as, well, Jesus, I mean, Jesus said, that's how you talk to God. Hallowed be your name. It's a little, I'll be honest, it's a little unsure of what to think about all of that. Wow. What am I supposed to think of the hallowed God? I don't even know what a hallowed is. I never heard that word before. And yet, there we have it. Jesus telling me as a little boy, that is how I am to pray to my Father in heaven. Okay. Well, it's, it's not exactly an easily understood term for an impressionable, impressionable young lad. And Jesus, Jesus I get, okay? Jesus I understand. Jesus, he's got the disciples. He tells stories. He lets kids sit on his lap and he gives them hugs. And yes, all that. I, Jesus I get. I can understand him. I can relate to Jesus. I had a friend of mine who always used to call him Brother Jesus. Because, and I had to think, I guess that makes sense. You know, we got God the Father and then his son Jesus, and then we're his sons and daughters, so that makes Jesus our brother. And Jesus called his disciples his brothers. So, okay, Brother Jesus. I, I don't know that I really refer to Jesus as my brother often, but he did, and it was cool. But the hallowed Father, that I'm just kind of unsure what to think about that particular reference to him. And then, you know, follow that train of thought a little bit. What does the hallowed father think of me? I certainly don't feel very hallowed because I don't know what hallowed is supposed to mean. As I was praying about this morning and asking the Lord, it's a simple question. God, it's Father's Day. What do you want to say to your church? And his message was real straightforward and real simple. And it's this. I'm proud of you. The message from our Father in heaven to his kids is this. I'm proud of you. In the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, we have the creation story. And God makes all these different things. And, and most of us know how it goes. God made, he made the light, which is blinding in my eyeball right now. He made light, and he said what? That it was good, Right? And then a little bit later, he made the land and the seas, and he said that they were good. And then he made plants, and he made trees, and poison ivy, and things like that. And he still called it good. And then he made the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the heavens, and all those things that we can't even see. 
And he said that all that stuff was good. He made the fish, and he made the birds, and he said that those things were good. And then he made the land creatures and all the, the crawling things and like spiders and stuff. And he even said that all of that was good. But then he made mankind, male and female, man and woman. And what did he call it? Very good. Very good. God's first assessment of mankind, the first words out of his mouth about mankind, that he was proud of what he had made. Everything else was good. I mean, come on, it's God. Whatever he does is good. But oh, when I made people, oh, that I'm especially proud of. That's very good. Heads and shoulders above everything else I've done. God basically said, I'm proud of you. That was his declaration to mankind at the very beginning. Now consider for a moment, was this before or after Adam had named all of the animals and, you know, been fruitful and multiplied and subdued the earth and all those, all those before Adam had done anything? Was this before, this was before that, right? Adam hadn't done anything at all. Imagine it, okay? It's, it's day six of creation. You got stuff, you got things up and you got things crawling around, you got trees growing and you got bodies of water and land and you have all, all this stuff everywhere. And then in the midst of that, you have this guy standing there, stark raving naked, and he's, he's basically just this newly formed bundle of dirt and God breath. That's what it is. And there he is, and you know, it's kind of, and he hears God say, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, son. You are very good. Yeah, cool. I just imagine, that's the first words that Adam hears the Lord say about him. That he was very good. And it's not because of what Adam had done. He hadn't done anything. And it wasn't because of who Adam had become. He, he just got created. It wasn't some special quality about Adam or ability about Adam. Adam was very good. God's own words. Adam was very good simply because God made him. God made him. And when God makes things... He always does excellent work. Those who know me well will say that cats may be an exception to that, but God makes excellent work every single time. And since God is immutable and he never changes, when he created you, he did excellent work. He does it every single time. He's very very proud of what he's made. And it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of who you have become or some special, unique ability that you have that nobody else can do. I can pat my head and rub my, or whatever it is. You are very good simply because God made you. He made you. And he always does excellent Excellent work. David says as much in Psalm 139. 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you are very good. Now turn to somebody else, because they need to hear it too. You are very good. That's God's assessment of who you are. You are very good. Our, our second youngest son, his name is Honor, he was born a little bit early, just ever so slightly, three months actually, three months early. Um, he was born at an amazing birth weight of two pounds and one ounce, which is really tiny and not very big at all. When he came out, he was hooked up to machines. He had blood transfusions. Do we have a picture of him? I have a picture. It's on my phone. I've saved it. But he was born hooked up to all kinds of things. He had infections. He had uh, an underdeveloped pituitary gland. That's, yeah, that's my thumb. And his, there's his head. He had a body pillow that was like his body pillow is this big. For his whole body. That's it. He had problems when he was, he came home on oxygen, all kinds of stuff. The little guy can't even breathe on his own, not without help, not without these machines and the stuff. He can't even feed on his own. He can't do anything. He's completely helpless. But what is his dad's assessment of him? Well, I was disappointed in his performance. What? Was I discouraged by his, oh, he hasn't achieved very much. He hasn't done very much. What's his problem? He's already out. You're out of the womb. Let's go. Get going. Start growing. Did I compare him to others? Oh, man, why can't he be like those other newborn kids? Did I deem that he was less valuable or less useful or less talented? Did I think he was any less good or less perfect? Son, you are very good. You are very good. And I am proud of you. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you can do, because you can't do pretty much anything. And it's not because of someday you're going to get there, and that, I'm going to be proud of that at some, at some point in your life. I'm proud of you because of who made you. And he always does excellent work. God makes all human beings Every single one, male and female, every skin color, short, tall, big, small, right on time, and three months early when he should have been still cooking in the oven. God makes every single one of them. And he makes them all, all. And he never makes anything he isn't immensely proud of. So I'm proud of my three-month-early little bundle of helplessness. Because the truth is, my Father in Heaven feels the same way about me. So when Adam shows up on the scene and God has breathed life into the dirt and made this guy, God is immensely proud of what he's created. And some may think, well, yeah, he could be proud of that, Adam, because let's face it, Adam hadn't messed up yet. He hadn't ate the apple from the tree. Because at that point, oh, oh my God, are you serious, Adam? Come on. There goes God being proud of you. Now you're an idiot. Now you got all kinds of problems. 
Now, ever since then, shoot, there's, there's no reason to be proud of people. We've got a whole history full of people who have had all these flaws and mistakes, and they commit these horrible things, and we've got this depraved humanity. What is there left to be proud of after Adam messed everything up? Surely the, the very good that God declared, that was before Adam did bad stuff, right? That was before everything got, got tainted and, and stained by sin. That's not, that was just for Adam beforehand. It doesn't apply to everybody else because we all got flaws. Some of us more than others. Well, apparently, David didn't think so because David writes in Psalm 8, Verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. David was very convinced that God was proud of him, that God valued him, that God highly esteemed him, despite his shortcomings. God only proud of Adam? Only before the mistakes? I don't think so. Not according to Job's story. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth. Because, you know, that's how Satan talks, right? You know. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Man, God's words plainly reflect the Father's heart. Job, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. God says, that's my boy. Satan, Satan, come here. Have you seen my boy Job? Oh my goodness, I love Job. Look at him. He's awesome. There's nobody like him. Why? Why did, why did God feel that? Because, well, because Job had achieved perfection. Job finally got it all right. Job never made mistakes. It had been so long since Job had sinned, God was finally, finally able to, oh, I thought I'd never have a creature who finally got it right, and there, there's Job. Okay, everybody look at Job. Job's so much better than everyone else because Job finally perfected everything. Was Job like the ultimate example that finally we got past this whole sin issue? No. Job was flawed just like the rest of us. By the end of the book, God had to chastise Job for what he was saying. This is simply the father's heart gushing about his boy. He can't stop talking about how amazing Job is. Last year, I... Uh, Kids' church is great. Um, Lisa, was Lisa in here? Lisa is amazing. My favorite quote from Lisa, I was handed um, from the preschool class. I was given a piece, you know, because they do craft projects and things that look like various whatevers. And you get that when you come to pick up your kids, and Lisa comes, here's your trash. And it's like, <laughs> you so know how parents are. You're like, that's awesome. And then by the time you get home, do you guys want this? No, you can throw it in the trash. Okay, so there, and there, there it goes. But they made it, and so you've got to take it home with wet glue and paint and everything else that you've got to be careful of. But uh, a Father's Day last year, our youngest son, his name is Life, 
He was three at the time, newly turned three, and he drew a picture of dad for Father's Day. I kept it. I, I asked the museum if I could have it on loan, and he, they said yes. And so here, yes, there it is up there. I have the original. We have security guards. Don't come and get it from me. So this is, this is my dad. This is the picture. And this, um, this sort of a, like a drumstick-shaped thing, I believe that's my head. So I, it's sort of shaped like this. And then these kind of like squiggly French fry-looking things, I, I think it's my face. I don't know why they're not connected, but they're both there in all of their glory in blue, which is my favorite color. So he got that part right. Now, now what am I most proud of about this port? Do you see the resemblance? I mean, can you mistake it for anyone else? No, it's obviously me. What am I most proud of about this amazing drawing? The, the artist's ability? His eye for detail, did you, look at the crinkle in that fry, my goodness. Hey, talent beyond his years, he's only three, can you believe that? Oh my goodness. Is it because he, he draws so much better? I've seen three-year-olds draw, okay? This, whoa, whoa, heads and tails, light years beyond every other three-year-old on the planet. Is that what I'm most proud of about this? Am I proud of all those things? No. I'm proud of this because this is my boy. My boy drew that. My three-year-old drew the drumstick head and the french fry face. My three-year-old did that. Now, no offense, but if you had a three-year-old and they drew the exact same thing in the exact same color and we had it right up here, this would still be my favorite. I'd still be most proud of this one. No offense. I mean, come on, my boy drew this. My boy drew this. My three-year-old drew this one. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Man, there's nobody like him. Look at that, there's nobody like him. Who else could draw a drumstick head and a french fry face like that? Nobody, that's awesome. Church, when God says that he's proud of you, it's not because you're better. It's because you're his. Church, you need to hear that again. When God says that he's proud of you, it's not because you're better. It's because you're his. Man, my own righteous acts, the stuff that I can do and try really hard at and be really, really good. Man, Isaiah 64.6 compares that stuff to filthy rags. I mean, like the nastiest Ickiest, don't we only get like a pair of tongs to touch the thing with. That's my righteousness on my own. On my very best, I mean, when I have done so amazing at living without sin, whew, for at least a couple seconds, on my very best day, I still draw like a three year old, okay? I still totally Romans 7 the whole thing. You know when Paul writes about it, he says, I don't draw the circle that I want to draw. No, the drumstick head that I don't want to draw, that's what I end up drawing. And I know that 
I, I, don't, I want to draw a normal face, but something inside of me just wants to draw the french fry face. And I, I, it's like I can't stop myself from doing it. And I don't want to draw the french fry face, but I do. Oh, what a wretched artist I am. Who will rid me from this crayon of death? Okay, paraphrase. But that's it. Man, that, those are my efforts. The best that I can possibly do. My Father in heaven is not proud of me because of what I can accomplish or how well I can do it or how much I can do or, I'll admit it, how efficiently I can get it done. My Father in heaven looks at my drumstick head french fry face and he beams. Oh, that's awesome! That's my boy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. He looks at me like he looks at Adam. Just, yeah? I'm proud of you. You're very good. He's always bragging about me, just like Job. Have you considered my son Cliff? Look at him. Nobody like him. He gushes over his kids before we do anything. That is the Father's heart for us. He beams over us, even in our brokenness. Our Father in heaven is so proud of you. It's just who he is. He's just that way with his kids. He was that way with Adam. He was that way with David. He was that way with Job. He's the same way with Jesus. Remember when Jesus was on the mountain transfiguration? Well, I mean, you weren't there, but you read about it in the Bible, right? So he's up there, and you got Moses and Elijah, and you got like, oh, and the glowing, the cloud, and the whole thing's happening, and Peter's like, oh, blah, 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 stumbling over his words the whole time, not knowing what he's even talking about. And it says in Matthew 17, 5, while he was still speaking, while Peter was saying stuff, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Well, duh, it's Jesus. I mean, come on. Who's not going to be proud of Jesus, right? He's the son of God. How can you not be proud of him? He never did anything wrong. He's like perfect. He, like, he doesn't even walk. He just levitates, like floats wherever he goes. Doesn't even touch the ground. It's amazing. He's perfect. He's Jesus. If you're not going to be proud of Jesus, you have some serious issues, okay? You've got to be proud of Jesus. Of course the Father is proud of Jesus. What else would he say about Jesus? You got Moses there, you got Elijah, you got the bright cloud, you got the ah, glory of God doing its glory thing. You got all this stuff happening, this amazing thing. Who would not be like, oh, oh, I'm so proud of Jesus. Look at him. Oh, my goodness. It's Jesus. What else could the Father say? But do you realize that the very same words that the Father speaks about the Son at that moment were the same ones he spoke about Jesus when he got baptized? At the Jordan River, John the Baptist, dirty water, Fish biting your ankles when you do it, just up in there. That's how it happens. 
The same thing that happened right there. Jesus comes up out of the water, and, and what does the Lord say about him at that moment? Matthew 3, 17. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Same words that he spoke at the ah! Mount of Transfiguration. The same words he spoke before all of that when Jesus was first baptized. The father said the same thing, but catch this. He said that at the Jordan River before Jesus did anything. Before the miracles. It was before all the healings, before the sermons, before the Mount of Transfiguration, before the cross, before the resurrection, before anything else. God the Father declares about his son, I'm proud of you. This is my son and I love him. I am so proud of him. I am well pleased with him. That forever remains the Lord's heart for his kids. Forever. It's like that throughout scripture. All the time. With everybody. And it's not just reserved just for Jesus. And it's not just in response to once we do something, then we get the... No. It's the Father's heart for his kids. He's proud of us. For a lot of Christians... We hear Paul's words in, in 2 Timothy 4.7, where Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There's even songs about that. And we think to ourselves, oh man, that's how I want to do it. Man, I want to I I fight. I want to do it. I want to finish strong. I want to run my race. I'm going I'm to come in first. I'm going to reach heaven. I'm going to get my reward. I want to live for God with all of the, that I've got. Yes! Man, I'm there. Absolutely. And we dream of, man, it's going to be so awesome when I, when I finish this race that I'm running and I, and I do all this stuff and I get there and I finally get to heaven and, oh, I get to see Jesus and I get to run into his arms. I get to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little, now you're faithful with much, coming in your master's happiness. Yes, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm going to run my race and if I will, will do my stuff and if I will use the gifts that he's given me and if I will serve the Lord and if, man, I will, I will live for God and if I will do, be busy about the kingdom work then when he returns he's going to find me doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Man, at that moment he's going to be so proud of me. And we develop this perspective that connects our activity with how proud the Father is of us. The more we do, the more proud he's going to be, right? The more, we, the, the more we love people, the more proud he's going to be of us, right? The more souls that we save, the more ministries that we lead, the more areas that we serve, the more that we sacrifice, the more that we give, the more that we sing, the more that we proclaim and declare, the more testimonies that we share, the more we do for the kingdom of God, the more proud he's going to be of us. I mean, he loves me, but oh, Billy Graham, come on. He's like sitting on God's lap right now, just, you know, hanging out. I'm going to be like in the, I'm going to be the overflow room with the satellite TV signal feed. And we forget. We forget the, the three months premature little wad of dirt and God breath that he is so proud of. Oh. Very good. And we forget the, the drumstick, french fry head artist that he just gushes over. Oh, 
There's nobody like him. Have you seen him? That's my boy. And we forget the righteousness and the perfection and the power and the authority that's all ours because of the cross. You see, it's never been about us. It's never been about what I can accomplish and what I can do and how well I can live. It's always been about Jesus. It's never been about how long I can go between mistakes. Oh, since the last time I did that, it's been so many years since the last time I did that. It's been, I, I haven't even thought that for like, well, I did rest now. But I mean, before then, I hadn't been thinking about it. I went so long without ever having to, it's not about that. It's not about how long we can stay perfect. It's not about how good we can behave. It's not about how much we can look like or sound like or act like or be like Jesus. Because let's face it, go through these examples. Adam wouldn't last very long being sinless. Just like less than a chapter, and then we got problems. That didn't last very long. And David, the one that's absolutely convinced that God is so proud of him and that he's so wonderfully made, dude, he had issues I mean, I got problems, but as far as I know, I haven't killed anybody yet. I'm doing okay on some of the big ones that David really like, oh my, kids, you can't read that portion of the Bible, okay? We can't read about David. He just remembered Goliath. Let's do the Goliath story again, because David had problems. And yet God was so proud of him. A man after God's own heart. But not all the time. And despite our very best intentions, it's not going to be all the time. And Job may have loved the Lord, and he may have served God faithfully, but even Job had to be corrected about stuff. We get it wrong sometimes. And the Father knows all of that. He even knows it's going to happen. He's absolutely aware of all your mistakes. God knew that his kids would fail. He knew Adam was going to take the words. You are very good. Thanks, God. <laughs> and then hide from him. He knew it. He knew his kids would fail. He knew they'd fall down the stairs. He knew they would mess up. And yet he still declares to them how proud he is of his kids. How much he adores them. And lest we remain confused that somehow our accomplishments are what God is, is so proud of in our lives. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons. In your name, perform many miracles. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Church, it's not the deeds that he's proud of. It's not all of those sacrifices that God is proud of. David writes in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You see, it's when our hearts yield to the Lord. It's when we repent of our sin and we turn to him and receive his righteousness and his perfection and his goodness and his mercy and 
His forgiveness. When we come in faith and confess our sin and believe in in Jesus' death and in His resurrection that gives us new life, it's at that moment where God said, that's my boy, that's my boy. That's my girl. Oh, that's my girl. I'm so proud of my girl. I love that girl. And it's because at that moment, you're his. You're his. You belong to him. Your life is no longer yours. You're completely his. You're his son. You're his daughter. He is immensely proud of you. In all the brokenness, in all the imperfection, with all the baggage behind, I'm very proud of you. There's nobody like you. Oh, look at my son. Look at my daughter. Oh, I love them so much. It's always been the Father's heart. Always. And never changes. This morning as we close together in prayer, can I pray over you and pray with you? And for those online, if you want to join with us, that would be awesome. And again, when we're, when we're praying, just so you know, God's not impressed with the words. It's not what he's most proud of. What he's most proud of is the heart behind those things that's sincerely speaking them to the Father. So I'm going to pray simple prayer and ask if you would just repeat after me. And those online, if you join us as well. But let's pray to the Lord. Father God, Lord, I love you. Just repeat after me, church. Lord, I love you. And I give you my heart. I give you all my life. I receive your sacrifice. Jesus, the price that you paid for all of my mistakes. And I bring to you, God, my brokenness, my imperfection, all my past, and I ask you to forgive me, to wash all of that away, and to make me a new person. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Do a new work inside of me. And give me the strength. And give me the wisdom. Give me all of your gifts to follow you with all my heart. I am your child. I belong to you. And Father in heaven, I receive the fact that you are proud of me. That is who I am in Christ. It's who you declare me to be. I am your child. And you love me. I love you too. If that prayer was a first time prayer for you, online, if you just want to click that you made a decision for the Lord, that'd be awesome. Just to let us know so we can encourage you. If you're here this morning and that was a first-time prayer for you, let somebody know. Fill out a a connect card. There's a space on there for that as well. You can let me know after service if you want to. God loves you. 
Church, he is so, so proud of you because you're his. You're his. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. My dad's awesome. But oh, my father in heaven's way better. No offense, dad. Happy Father's Day. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.